Me, I suggest that you get paper, that you get paper and pencil ready now. And as you listen, and as you listen carefully, write down. Write down these important, these important instructions. And if there's any other real issue that one might come up with as a means to saying that God isn't reconciled to them or God isn't pursuing them or God isn't talking to them or God has turned his back on them, the thing about it is, is that it is finished. There is no reason now that we can't have full access to God in any unimaginative way possible because our imagination fails in comparison to the pursuit that God has for the reconciled creation that was brought forth of by the death of Jesus Christ. We need to bring peace to the darkness. Reap seeds that spring seasons of love in the heartless. Sympathy, Father, the Father, the state persists and on top of this. Have faith to we find prominence, find freedom for the optimist. When we start working from the position of the Spirit, when we start working with God, we no longer boast about the things that we do, but we humbly point people back to the person that works through us to do all these good things. Take the light through the dark. That's what we do. We overcome evil with good. And so creation is waiting for such a time as this. Creation is waiting for sons and daughters of God to rise up and manifest the kingdom on earth. Hey, welcome out to episode five. This is a, a new topic that we're talking about today. My name is Nolan, and this is part of our Wednesday night uh, equipping group that we are, that we're doing. And if you if you want more information about how to get into that group and to to grow in your relationship with God, how God sees you, how you see God, and all things having to do with kingdom, you know, let let me know. You can email me at nolanryanrecker at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook at Nolan Ryan Wrecker, and you can request to get into the group, like my page, get into the group, and, can, and find community with people where we're growing intentionally in our relationship with God and in all things kingdom. But this week's episode, we're talking about what are you looking at or who are you looking at? So uh, we all have um, our physical eyes, we all have eyes of faith so to speak. You know, we are beings both physical and spiritual, and we want to grow in those things. And so this week, uh, we, we, we go into a lot. God really kind of unpacked the Bible for me in, in a way that I want to bring you into the process of what he showed me. So from start to finish, we, we hit on like seven to 12 different parts of the Bible, how we're letting Bible interpret Bible to the best of our ability. And uh, the process for me just looks different. It, to me, it's always an adventure. It's a journey. And so I invite you into that process. Welcome to episode five. Have your Bibles out and ready and enjoy the show. God, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to gather. Uh, we just pray for those who are not with us digitally. Um, we pray for them uh, where they are, that you may meet them uh, in your spirit uh, with what we're talking about, God. And so... Um, Open up our hearts and our minds to what you're wanting to teach us, God. Just take control of this. Um, we we say yes to you. Help us to see you uh, with our with our the eyes of our heart, uh, God. As we continue to grow in you, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. Hey, no slides tonight, but copious notes. Um, I I took the extra time to reorganize, and so uh, this month we're gonna focus on. Um, Title, the, basically, the title is part one, part two, what or who are you looking at? And um, I think it's very timely for what we're, for what we're in right now. Uh, I think it's very easy to get caught up in a place to where uh, we're, I, we're just looking at the things that we're lacking. We're looking at the things that we don't have. Um, we're looking at the places we don't get to go, the friends we don't get to see. We're looking at the, 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 the weight that we want to be that we're not. We're looking at things that we don't want to be looking at. Um, we're looking at, I mean, just we're, our, our focus has shifted to the wrong place and it's very easy to do so because we're humans. And the, 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 the goal is to, because following up with some of you just in one-on-one -on -one conversations, the idea of being one in Jesus, like you have to be able to see yourself 
not necessarily in the spirit. It's, it's really hard to see yourself, like to imagine or picture Jesus on the throne and you're with him. And like, there's just some really weird imagery that you can get into. Not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's not necessarily the first place that we go to when we say, see yourself in Jesus. I, I want to give you guys some more tools, some more scriptures to kind of like build, us up, build off this idea that you're one in Jesus and to see yourself that way um, and to ultimately uh, lay down your life. So basically looking at yourself, that's going to be part of uh, living as a, as a living sacrifice, as Paul says, laying down our lives as living sacrifices means you have to get over yourself. Um, so whatever it is that you're identifying in your shortcomings, you're identifying in your lack and your insecurities. Um, if you're looking at your problems and the unanswered questions that you have ahead of you, like you need to get over yourself. And that is probably where I'm at because in order to really love, I means I have to humble myself in order to receive the love. And if I haven't humbled myself to receive the love, I'm not talking about humble myself in regards to like humility, but I'm talking about like, do I recognize that I need love? And do I realize then when John says uh, perfect love casts out fear, fear in a sense is a divided mind about something. And so if I'm thinking one way about myself and that's different than the way God thinks about me, then I'm going to be living in fear. Um, if I think uh, that God's thoughts towards me um, could be shifted, they can change. Like God can change the way he thinks about me. Uh, that means my mind is divided and I could live in fear. Uh, it's different than a reverential worshipful fear, so to speak. And I, I don't like that word in the English for fear, to revere God, to honor him. Um, but there's a, there's a phobos, a divided mind about something. And then there's the reverential fear that we have um, for God. But to be without fear means to have our mind made up. So when we're in darkness, um, I wrote about this this week. Uh, with Jesus, like Jesus is the light. So if you read the devotional that I posted, Jesus is the light and he illuminates everything. He is our revelation. And if you've ever been stumbling around in a dark place, um, you're, you tend to be more afraid at nighttime. I don't, I don't know about you, but um, I tend to get more scared. Like shadows just move differently at night, right? But like they're all what my brain is perceiving as something else as opposed to the actuality of what something is. So if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night and you saw, like there's like a meme floating around that what a pile of clothes looks like on a chair when the light's on, but then what the clothes look like when the lights are off, like that, that's fear. And that's what Jesus came to reveal, like to turn the light on. So that way we don't have to be divided about the thing that we think that we're seeing. And so basically what are we seeing? What are we looking at? Um, and there's a couple of different places that I want to go to Psalm chapter four and Isaiah chapter 55, right? So, um, our world is pretty destabilized right now. There's a good chance that your inner life is pretty destabilized. Your walk with God, uh, might be stronger for some of you, but there's other things in your life that are, uh, not stable. Um, you're in transition. You're, you're wanting to get a firm grasp of your reality because we don't know how long we're going to be in this thing. And so um, I don't really need to set up for you this stable world that's been disrupted. Um, and, I, and I encourage you to, to continue to use that language as opposed to interrupted uh, because how, life as we know, it probably won't go back to the way that was before all of this happened. Uh, so interruption means it's paused and we'll go back. Uh, disruption means that there's a new way forward. And that is where we are right now. And wanting the Holy Spirit to guide us in is in this disruption uh, is not necessarily about the thing, but letting us shift our perspective to the thing behind the thing that says, okay, God, I, you probably didn't cause any of all this. Um, my life has been disrupted. So what's the new way forward for me? Because once you discover what God's new way forward for you is in the body, if we all do that collectively, we'll start to move towards what that new future looks like. Um, and so I don't need to destabilize your world for you. I don't need to give you any more problems than you were already aware of. So we're just going to go ahead and pick it up in uh, Psalm 4, because this might be like, this is a Davidic Psalm, um, a prayer that you can pray. And we're going to, I'm going to read it. And then we're going to uh, unpack one specific part and highlight it, underline it in your Bibles or whatever. Um, the part I'm going to want you to highlight is uh, verse 4, but we're just going to go ahead and read all eight verses. Answer me when I call God who vindicates me. You freed me from affliction. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. 
how long exalted men will honor uh, will my honor be insulted how long will you, you love what is worthless and pursue a lie know that the lord has set apart the faithful for himself the lord will hear when i call to him be angry and do not sin on your bed reflect in your heart and be still we're going to unpack that because it's a little weird um, offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who can show us anything good? Look on us, look on us with favor, Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. So I want you to save that spot there because I'm going to unpack something in verse four later, but I want to set up some other things first. One, and then two, um, for those of us who enjoy wine, it's, we, we sometimes need the reminder that God puts the joy in our hearts, not the wine, but the wine helps. If you're not 21, don't drink. Carter, Peyton, looking at you, Hannah. Anyways. That's my dad joke for this evening. They're in abundance. All right. So we have Psalm chapter four uh, and then Isaiah uh, chapter 55. We're going to go ahead with verse six, seven, eight, and nine and 10. Let's just go ahead and do it. Six through, six through 11 and 12. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. All right, Isaiah 55, 6 through 12. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth, making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I please and will prosper it in what I send it to do. You will indeed go out with joy and peacefully be guided. The mountains and hills will break into singing before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. There's so much that I love about this section, Psalm 53 through 61. I mean, Isaiah 53 through Isaiah 62, 61 or whatever. Uh, this is a, some of the proclamation that Jesus makes when he's in the temple is in um, 60 something. So apologize for not giving you that answer right off the bat. Uh, but there's just so much good stuff in Isaiah 55 a lot about what God talks about in regards to his thoughts, his ways, his word. Um, sometimes we get so enamored with ourselves and our shortcomings that we almost like neglect the truth of Isaiah 55 that says like, if God has started something in you, it'll come to like, if you say yes to that, it'll come to completion. It might take a little bit longer if we decide to backpedal on that. Yes. But um, God, God is, I mean, his word does not return void. Um, but here's what I want to focus on right here. It says, let verse seven, let the wicked one abandon his way. I don't like that translation. Um, let's go ahead and rock out a, yeah, let the wicked one forsake his way, English standard version and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Where did I find that in, I believe the NIV, my Bible getaway. Thanks, Justin. Where is? Oh, man. I forgot what translation I was in, but it was in Isaiah 55 verse 7. It talks about um, the wicked turn from their iniquity. And I want to give you some Hebrew word pictures. So we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of get into this just for this second. In Isaiah, it's made up of um, three letters, and I'm not going to give those letters to you. I'm just going to give you a different translation. The three letters uh, are a bowed head, a, and, you, and you can look this up too. Remember, Isaiah uh, 55, verse 7, that... Well, 
yeah, I don't have the letters off the top of my head. I apologize. But here's the translation. Instead of iniquity, instead of uh, the wicked man, his ways, um, it's actually a bowed head with flames of fire or teeth and two eyes. So what we're watching. So those are the three word pictures that we have. And just praying over it, um, I wanted to translate iniquity. Uh, this thing that we keep in front of us is actually um, we, we serve what consumes our eyes. So we are all created to bow our head to something. Even Moses in uh, Exodus, Exodus 34, when God passes in front of him, after he passes in front of him and declares something, he bows his head uh, in worship. And uh, to bow one's head um, actually has to do with lowering oneself. And uh, it gives us, it's actually a, um, oh goodness, a cough, dalet, dalet. And dalet is door. And so, uh, when I bow my head, um, I basically, I, I, Jesus says he's the door. When I'm bowing my head to that, um, I'm, I'm letting those things into my life. So when God declares what he declares in Isaiah, I mean, Exodus chapter 34, Moses responds by bowing uh, in front of him. In Isaiah 55 verse 7, we see this picture of when we are stuck in iniquity, and when we're, we're and our thoughts are not God's thoughts, uh, we're actually bowing our head to what we choose to see with our eyes. And so whatever we bow to, we let in. Okay? Now, this, is, this has been huge for me doing this study because it then led to a lot of different places in the Bible where Jesus talks about the, um, like the eyes are the lamp of the body. Um, we, we don't want to chase after uh, what we see in the world. This is first John chapter two. We're going to get there in a second. Um, but it kept coming up. What am I looking at? And for some of you, if you're anything like me, your screen time is probably up. I think I average like eight hours a day just on my phone in screen time, let alone my computer screen since all of this has started. Like, so over eight hours a day, I'm looking at a screen, right? Many of us look at a lot of different things on the screen. I look at a lot of social media. I've been working on my social media presence and social media influence. So some of you, you're struggling with this, with the, this equation here. Social media influence, what you're looking at on social media, plus expectations from your families equals the outcome of whatever your self-esteem is. Some of you, quarantine, shelter-in-place, isolation, plus rainy days, plus more social media, plus job interruption, plus negative body image, plus negative self-talk equals a poor outlook on life. You're struggling. And you need to reassess what it is that you're looking at because all of these things then, even if, like if you look at, they call it social media neck. If you look at a social picture of a social media neck, a healthy neck, a line neck is maybe 10 pounds of pressure on your spine. Social media neck is when your head is actually like out over your body and putting 60 pounds of pressure on your neck. And it's caused by looking down at your phone with whatever it is you're looking at, right? If there's not a spiritual implication there, I don't know what is. So what are we looking at? Who are you looking at? Because here's the thing, like all of those things, um, I, I've explained to you this before, like your brain doesn't create your reality. Your brain actually picks up on what is happening outside or within. And I, and I, and I know that sounds a little bit weird, but like it, it, the research is showing that our brains are more of antennas than they are of like materialistic existentialism. And what that means is like, they're saying that all of this is a fabrication. Um, we're creating our reality based on what we think. Um, 
and I would submit to you that we create our reality based on how we respond to what we think. Uh, because the, the thoughts, they come, right? So the enemy is actually called the Satan, the accuser. Uh, Caitlin and I were just talking about this this week, actually, that uh, the accuser wants to accuse you or point out how you are not God. And for some of you, like for those of us who knew Jesus, we're like, well, yeah, duh, we're not God. But that's the biggest thing that he uses against those who know that they're not God. Because then it actually, if we see that we're not God, ultimately we're not in Christ, he'll accuse us that like, you're not good enough to be in Christ. Um, Christ's sacrifice with you was worthless. You're not responding correctly. You're not living up to the expectation that God has for you. Like those are all external stimuli that we can respond to in a specific way. And for some of you, you look in the mirror, you look at social media, you hear what your family says, you hear what your friends are saying, and you, you have this negative self-talk going on in your mind. And the story that you're telling yourself doesn't align with what God is speaking over your life. So what is at stake then is our emotional and our spiritual health, um, our, an abundant life in Jesus, and ultimately, and this, Paul talks about this in uh, Ephesians, but the fullness, the revelation of the fullness of God in us. What we look at, what we bow down to, um, whatever consumes our eyes is what we're going to serve. And so for us, we need, to, we, need a, we need a way out. You can look at your actions. You can look at your words. You can look at your thoughts. You can look at your relationships. Like, we, we need to see then that in Jesus, none of that really matters. I was talking about this with somebody else this week when we were talking about healing. Why doesn't healing come for everybody? Partly is I don't know. But then secondly, like, God cares more about your spirit, man, than he does about your fleshly body. And um, we kind of get a, a sense of this. Uh, because if I focus too much on what I do on my works, like Jesus even said this in John chapter six, he said like the flesh doesn't help at all. So if I am struggling with something that I don't have healing from, if I focus on the fact that I don't have healing, I might miss the fact that I need Jesus. And we might wrap it up in something that says, well, I know I need Jesus for the healing. When in fact, like Jesus is actually working on something completely unconnected to your healing because ultimately healing is going to, healing has already happened in the salvation of Christ that we received that we are basically uh, our old man is dead. And even if we pass from this life into the next, it's just a passing death no longer has a say over us because we're in Jesus. So the old man is dead and the new man looks at Jesus. So ultimately like God cares about you, but he might not care so much about your body. And he might not care about your plans. He might not care about this, that, or the other. And I don't say that in a flippant way. I, I, I say that in like God's thoughts, God's cares for you are so much more than what we get stuck on because we look at what we lack as opposed to taking the time to look at what God is looking at. And so we need Jesus. Duh. We need to see Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus says, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. This is the flesh. This is what we see with our eyes. Jesus actually teaches about this, about like the plank in your eye and the speck and this, that, or the other. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because I'm not alone. But I and the Father who sent me judge together. Even in your law, it is written that the witness of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies about myself and the Father who sent me testifies about me. And so this is so cool because in the sense of testimony, if the accuser, the Satan, 
is saying one thing about you and Jesus is saying another. Whatever you say yes to is going to bear fruit in your life. What do I mean by that? If the accuser says that you're not good enough, you will always be a failure. And you say out loud, man, I'm always going to be a failure. It's never going to work out for me. Who did you just agree with in testimony? You need two. Jesus is saying one thing. The accuser is saying something else. And for some of you, the thoughts that you have are not the thoughts of God, and they're the thoughts of something else that you then agree with with your mouth, and you wonder why you might be stuck in some negative cycles. You might not be progressing in your relationships with God or with people, in your career, in your health, in your spirituality. And the context of this comes with the woman who's caught in adultery at the beginning of John chapter eight, when he says, you know, they, they want the, the old men bring this woman to, to Jesus, catching her in adultery. And Jesus responds to saying, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And when they have all left, Jesus asks, women, women, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. And that sin is a double meaning, as you guys and I have already discussed. Uh, it's in our sin, we miss the mark, but also um, it's what I believe that actually potentially leads to the behavior that I have. So if I know that I am not condemned any longer, as Esther Ted was talking about tonight during the Google Q&A, that like grace frees me from sin. It doesn't free me to sin. And so I don't have to agree with the not Jesus thoughts that I have or the not Jesus actions that I have. Like I don't, I'm not free to do those things. I can, but ultimately I'm free from it. So that no longer has a say. So again, like the, the account of two witnesses stands what Jesus says, and then whoever agrees with Jesus. And, or what the accuser says, and whoever, like, whoever agrees with the accuser. And like, we, we stand in this place to where I can say yes to one thing or say yes to the other. Now, we need to adjust our gaze, assess what consumes our eyes, and we have to determine what we're bowing down to. So like for you, right now, you're taking notes, what are you bowing down to? And I'm not saying this in a religious sense. I'm saying this in a you've been distracted sense. What has been distracting you that you regularly come back to? Is it body image? Is it job? Is it finances? Is it a relationship? Is it, is it, a, is it a, a negative thought cycle? Is it a particular like manifestation of a lack of belief in the grace that God has given you to overcome the thing. And what I mean by that, some people are like, what is the sin in your life that you need to confess? Well, the sin in your life that you need to confess might, might be a particular thing. You might be an alcoholic. You might be addicted to porn. You might, I don't know, like I, fill in the blank there. The more you focus on that thing, the more it'll consume you. If you, can, if you focus on what you don't have, like, man, I don't have breakthrough in this area. Why? I need to try harder. No, you don't need to try harder. You need to stop basically looking at that thing. You need to look at, because once you, like, and that's the thing, though, like, when we, when we bow down to something, we open the door to it. It's a cough, delet, delet, so double door. Um, so when I bow, I'm letting something in. So I could... In a sense, if the sin is um, whatever, if, if it's pornography, I don't, I don't know. I just, if, if, if the sin is that, and I open the door to that, oh, great, I just looked at pornography. Now then, if I condemn myself, I can't believe I looked at pornography again, I'm such a failure. Now I've bowed down to something else. And ultimately then, 
I get in this cycle where I'm looking at the wrong thing. And all that Jesus is saying to do is to stop doing that, not stop doing the thing, stop doing like not the one action, but stop doing the whole thing. Stop bowing down to, because ultimately you're bowing down to yourself. Every single time that you get down, you're, it's, you're, you're relying on your own power. You're not leaning on Jesus. You're not partnering with the Holy Spirit. And you can say, man, I'm not doing that again. I'm a bad Christian. No, like that's the whole point. Get over yourself. Because like you don't have to do anything to please God. Psalm chapter four, verse four. It says, it is that verse that says, be angry and do not sin. On your bed, reflect in your heart and be still. When it says be angry, uh, it means that uh, you have trembled or have been agitated. It has nothing to do with getting mad at something. Okay, something has happened. There has been an agitation. Okay, agitation isn't bad. When you wash something, you need to agitate it. If you know anything about laundry, like there's an agitation in the cycle that helps break up all the stuff that's bad. Agitation is normal. So agitation will come. So it's verse four. Agitation will come. Uh, and it says, do not sin. Uh, uh, it's kata. Kata. Uh, that means uh, so do not forget then where you came from. Um, it says, meditate then in your heart or reflect in your heart and be still. And meditate there can mean command. Reflect can mean, uh, meditate or reflect can mean command, think about, promise, or say in your heart. Um, heart then is your inner man or your thought life. Um, popular language is um, your self-narrative or your self-talk. Um, it also has to do with what you, your affections. Uh, and this is a lot too, uh, because I just need to speak to this for a second. Like, like what, what do you desire in life ultimately? Because for some of you, your desire is happiness and God never promised anything to do with happiness. He gives joy which leads to your holiness. And he doesn't care about your happiness because happiness can only be filled by what you can see, feel, touch, taste, or hear with your physical sense. Joy is an eternal thing that outworks itself, setting us apart wholly from the things that we think is gonna bring a satisfaction here. So what do you desire? And ultimately, like my prayer from my life um, is to be known as a man after God's own heart, which is what King David was known as. But if you know anything about King David's story, that dude had some issues. And in a way, we all have our issues. I have my issues. But David was still known as a man after God's own heart. And that's what my desire is, is that I want nothing more than to dwell in the presence of God and know his love fully because then I know when I'm in that place, when I see myself in that place and I experience that love, then I can only hope that it transforms me to be the love that God wants to be through me in the earth. Can you imagine there's 19 of us on this call if we all fully comprehended God's love for our life? Think about it. We know agitation comes, right? Love can be agitating, honestly. But it says in our agitation, in the agitation, it says to meditate in your heart and be still. And still can also be translated astounded, stupefied, or struck dumb. And so I chose to translate this in a way that helps me to better understand and basically, it says, when I'm agitated, I need to command my inner man to stop talking out loud. Because <laughs> there's a good chance that in my agitation, if I'm looking at the thing that's agitating me instead of looking at Jesus, I am going to say something stupid. And in my speaking, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, so command your inner man to stop talking out loud. When I'm agitated, 
command my inner man to stop talking out loud. Because out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So when the agitation comes, it's wanting to break up something, right? Come on, this is going to preach. And whatever is in my heart is going to come out. And so if I can discern then in my inner man what I'm looking at and what I'm bowing down to and serving, that I want to confess faith in Jesus, I don't want to get caught up in talking about what I'm lacking or what I wish would change. So what we need to do is be purified. So agitation comes, it, we need to be purified. Matthew chapter five. And if you guys are commenting, I'm not really seeing it. Okay, good. Matthew chapter five, verse eight. The pure in heart are blessed for they will see God. Here we go. We're working on what we're looking at. So the pure of heart will see God. In God, we lack nothing. In Christ, we lack nothing. We have everything that we need. We're perfected in Christ. Perfected means lacking nothing. And you might be thinking, man, like, I can't be purified. I'm impure. Like, that's just, that's why I needed a savior. But that's the thing, because then when we get into Jesus, like, in him is no sin. If we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us, then we don't have sin. The sin then is not the actions, because we're still going to stumble and fall. We're still going to fall short. Like, it's not about the actions. It's about the state of mind. I can't have a state of mind of sin. I could still sin, but have a state of mind of Jesus because I'm still learning to walk out all those things that are Jesus. Because I'm not Jesus, I am going to miss the mark. Thus, I'm sin. But my state of mind can be in Jesus. And so I need to ask myself these questions. Do I know where I am positioned? So I want to say like, I can reflect on these in my heart, right? So when I'm agitated, um, so when something comes and he's wanting to break free uh, and discern, uh, help me to judge and to separate what I'm lacking from what I, uh, uh, the, the providence and the strength that I have in Jesus, because he doesn't want me to focus on uh, what I'm lacking. He wants me to focus on his strength. And so when that comes, do I know where I'm positioned? And then um, do I see where I'm positioned? Because if I look at my lack, then I'm going to position myself there. I'm going to bow down to that. I'm going to let that in. If I see myself in Jesus, I'm going to bow down to that. Again, worship opens the door. And when, so if I know where I'm positioned, then I see, that's the thing. So seeing, heidon, um, in, in the Greek, um, heidon means to perceive or to know, but it also can mean to see with your physical eyes. And so, Ultimately, it's the same question. Do I know where I'm positioned? Do I see where I am positioned? Because it's one, again, like you know it too. Like if you've been in a relationship, you can know about a person, but do you know them? Some of you know a lot about me. And the more that we talk, the more you get to know me, the more you get to see me. But we're reminded then about the agitation. Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing with the Sermon on the Mount, right? So Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6. Verses, I'm going to read these out of order because I think for us, it's easy for us to read verses 19 through 24 in order. But I believe, and I'm submitting to you, it will be easier to understand if we read it in a different order because we're a different audience. So Matthew 6, 22 through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Then 19 through 21. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then verse 24, no one can be a slave of two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. And I wrote this note for me. Um, 
because this this isn't a message about money um but money is a form of exchange and so money gets us things that we want god gives us things that we need and the more we get to know him our wants start to align with his wants and what he identifies that we need will start to want and this is huge okay first john chapter 2 verse 15 and 16 says this do not love the world or the things that belong to the world if anyone loves the world love for the father is not in him for everything that belongs to the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the father but is from the world and the world with its lust is passing away but the one who does god's will remains forever and his his love i mean his will is love to be loved and then to love others that's his will and ultimately like i exchange that love for things that i think will bring me fulfillment that's like a very worldly understanding of that, but that ultimately he wants to take us higher in the sense that it's not that this place is evil, but we know that to be patterned after the world is not to be patterned after Christ, but we need to be reminded of where we are positioned in Christ and to see where we're positioned in Christ. So that way, then when God gives us love, we can identify it. Because if God is loving us, pursuing us in love, but we're not seeing it, it's not because he's not loving. It's because we're looking at the wrong thing. And so what fills my eyes is what I see. This is what I take away from this. What fills my eyes is what I see. And this question came about, why do you want to be where you are anxious about not being? And what I mean by that is, what is so important about that destination that I'm not at, that place where I want to be, that job I don't have, the relationship that isn't or is, and fill in the blank, that the lack of that thing's manifestation in my life actually leads to stress, anxiety, shame, and depression. So let's just say it's, it's overcoming something. What is so important about it getting over this thing, but that it actually, because you're not on the other side, leads to stress, anxiety, shame, and depression. You, you can look at the fact that you don't have in-person community right now the way you want it to, but the, if, you, if thinking on wanting that actually leads to stress, anxiety, shame, and depression, you might want to readjust your thinking because you're looking at the wrong thing. I'm preaching to myself right now, by the way. So back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 then. And this is interesting. In, in my notes, it says uh, in the Bible, uh, for Holman Christian Standard, it says the cure for anxiety. Who has anxiety here? Uh, uh, the cure is right here. You've been looking for it in all the wrong places. I'm just kidding. We all need help sometimes professionally to help us see differently, and, and we might need medication. So I'm not saying any of that. But here's the cure for anxiety, and this is what I think is interesting. This is why I tell you, Jesus says, don't worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, about what you will wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Here's some things I want you to understand. Uh, when, John, when Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, that he is the uh, light of life, he uses the word we understand for light, uh, but then the word he uses for life is zoe. It's an eternal life. But when he talks about isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? He uses a different word called pesuke, where it actually has to do more with your flesh. Okay? So when he says he's the light of eternity, he says here, even, even, is, even isn't this life, this life, not eternal life, this life, pesuke, not zoe, isn't this life more than food and clothing? Because... And it goes back to John chapter 6 when he says, like, flesh doesn't help at all. But that in clothing, here's the thing about clothing in the first century. It's very similar to today, right? 
So clothing in the first century denoted your place in society. It denoted how much money you had. It denoted your position. Okay, this is why we need to put on Christ, okay? Because many of you, like we put on these clothings, we put on this stuff, we put on our excuses, we put on our negative thoughts, we put on all of these things as coverings that ultimately distract us from seeing God. Because we are then concerned about what other people are seeing in us. And this is another part. Like so many of us, like as a pastor, I struggle with this. As, as a pastor's wife, my Emma struggles with this. How are people going to perceive me? What are the optics? If I am so sold out to love, I'm not going to care about what other people think. If I'm so sold out to love, I'm not going to care if I die. If I'm so sold out to love, I'm not going to care if I never get healed because his love is so much higher than my ways. His love is so much greater than what I can hope to achieve and be focused on in this earth. Okay, so we need to stop setting up all of these. We need to stop covering ourselves with everything that's going to, in our mind, separate us from the love of God. Now, am I saying that like, I mean, clothing here is both physical and spiritual. In the sense that like, I don't want you walking around naked because Nolan says that I need to stop covering myself so I could freely get the love of God. People are not going to accept that. And ultimately, just because of society. And you could say, well, no one says I should walk around naked because I shouldn't care about what other people think. I'm not saying that. Like, I hope you, I hope you get it. But like, you need to then, like, does it mean then that I need to, we still need to practice restraint in what we say too. So like, Kids, my kids say what comes to their mind immediately as it comes. Some of you are like that. Some of you are like, it comes to my mind, I have to say it. No, you don't. You're not a child. You need to command your inner man to stop talking out loud. Some of you need to be slower to talk than what you are currently. And again, I don't know many of you personally. And so if that hits for you, great. If not, if it hits for somebody that you know, then... That is something I've identified and will then help you go back to your inner man and say, man, I don't want to sound like that. And it's not that you're setting them apart in your own mind, but to say that like, okay, how do I love that person? And two, like if you struggle with, I just say whatever comes to my mind. Like, no, to receive God's love means to shut your mouth. And like, honestly, that, that's how it is for me sometimes. Sometimes I just need to shut up and just let God minister to me. It's, it's, um, Dr. Henry Cloud says it this way. Um, here's, here's the decision we have to make. And we're asking ourselves these questions like, do I know where I'm positioned? Do I see where I'm positioned? Dr. Henry Cloud, uh, he cites uh, Navy SEALs and uh, special forces that when they hit the ground, uh, there's three questions that they ask. Where am I? Where are my friends? And where is the enemy? And if you think about like if you are engaged in this thought battle, because that's what, that's what Paul says, like we don't fight against flesh and blood. Like he, Paul even says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the principalities of the air and we pull down strongholds. Okay. Strongholds were things that people couldn't see. They were things along the coastline. He was using uh, imagery for them to understand like strongholds were covered by fog. And uh, you had to go close to the shoreline. But if you went too close to the shoreline, like these strongholds, people would attack you from there. So you get attacked from things you can't see. I mean, this is, again, it's imagery, it's physical imagery to understand a spiritual truth that we don't know where, the, uh, you need to identify where the enemy is. And sometimes the enemy is myself. Where are my friends? Where's my accountability? You have access to me. If you don't have my personal cell phone number, get it. You have my email, it's on the church website. You have your small group, reach out to each other. I've already heard amazing stories from you guys that are following up with each other. One website I want to recommend for you that I have found really helpful is this one. And so far, like everything about it, I love. So um, if you want to learn more about Hebrew, because the Hebrew helps the text come alive because Old Testament all points to Jesus. So the more that the Old Testament text comes alive, the, I think the more you'll be able to see Jesus um, and appreciate him. 
as you use that to interpret um, what's, what is said in the New Testament. Um, once we do this, looking at a lack versus understanding our depravity, dependence on him and humility to God. Okay, that, that Sarah is, is like, you don't need to understand your depravity. Just understanding that you're not perfect is all you need. Because God doesn't want to break you down to build you up. He wants to agitate and remove. And so you don't have to be cognizant of your depravity. People, people are afraid that if I'm not cognizant of my depravity, I'm going to become too confident. No, that's the point. Our confidence is Christ, not me. And so I don't have to be aware of my depravity. I need to be aware of Jesus because that's where my confidence comes from. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, good. Um, like we, the, the whole point is to stop looking at ourselves. We live in a very hyper self-aware culture. Self-awareness is great, but if your self-awareness never leads to Christ awareness in those areas, specifically to where you've grown in an understanding of yourself, you're only going to grow in a greater understanding of yourself. You don't need to grow in a greater understanding of yourself. You need to understand your tendencies and your default statuses, but you need to look at Jesus, right? So that way you have indicators of, I'm not in a healthy place. I am in a healthy place, okay? That's all you need because ultimately Jesus takes care of the rest. So where am I? Where are my friends? Where's the enemy? I need to set my eyes on Jesus. So we talk about purification, right? We need purification. I can't do that. Jesus needs to do that. Hebrews chapter one, verse three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word after making purifications for sins. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became a higher in rank than the angels, just as his name is inherited. He inherited a superior to theirs. So Jesus purified our sins and then sat down. And he's sustaining everything from a position of rest. So again, like if you're trying to change something in your life by striving to change that thing, you're doing it wrong. Stop. Tell your inner man, command your inner man to stop talking out loud. Okay. Agitation and frustration is normal because you're starting to see more in the spirit and you're getting agitated with the flesh, but you can't like, and so it's, you have to then see yourself in Jesus. And it's not that you let yourself go in the flesh. You'll start to get a holy desire to, to make changes in the flesh, whether it's eating, whether it's exercise, you know, whether it's reading the word more, worshiping more, serving more, you know, what does it look like to let God love you? I can't answer that question because I don't know where each of you are at in your journey, but the good news is we have a Holy Spirit who does that for us. So we set our eyes on Jesus. We need to make that decision. Are we going to humble ourselves to let Jesus purify us in our minds? He already has done it and he's resting. Are we going to receive it and accept it in our minds that we're already purified of sin? Our mindset has been purified. We may still stumble, but our mindset is pure. And even when you think, oh, I have evil thoughts, stop thinking about the evil thoughts. Evil thoughts will come. Stop thinking about the fact that they're going to come. When they do come, take it captive, lay it down. It comes again. If it comes a hundred times, take it captive, lay it down. Okay? Command that thought to stop coming in the name of Jesus. If there's a good chance that a lot of thoughts as we're finding in psychology are coming from outside, they're external stimuli that we can't see. I'm not saying it's an evil spirit. I'm not saying with this side or the other. Like, There's some things that we cannot explain about why we think what we think, the thoughts that come this side or the other. We're too quick to hyper-spiritualize it. And for many people, we're too quick to say it's a chemical imbalance. What if it's a little bit of everything? Look to Jesus, not the thing that's agitating you. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 26. 
Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Have you noticed that the things that aren't of Christ always bid you to go to the next level? I've noticed this with some of my own like stuff that it like it graduates and it needs more because it never satisfies. That's why. And I'll think, well, maybe if I change this or maybe if I add that, like, what if, you know what I'm saying? Like those things, they, they, they never cease to expand, but you can't fight it from how big it's gotten. You just lay down the whole thing at once in that moment at Jesus' feet. But now, uh, but that is how, not how you learn about the Messiah. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him because the truth is in Jesus, you took off your former way of life. You, you Listen to that language. You took off, right? The covering, whatever your old life was, you took it off. The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds and you put on the new self, the one created according to the God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. I mean, come on. Since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. He's quoting Psalm chapter four here. When you're agitated, don't forget where you came from. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give the accuser the opportunity to accuse you. Not by being free of the accusation, but saying, who am I going to agree with? Am I going to agree with the new man or am I going to agree with the old man? Am I going to agree with the accusation that points to I am not Christ? Or am I going to agree with who Christ says he is in me and how he is perfecting my faith? First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him because he cares about you. That's the thing. Like, he cares about you. He cares about you, a higher you than the things that you care about. Does he care about the little things? Yes, he does care about the little things. That's what, that's what makes God, like, um, so great. Though he cares more about something else, like, he still cares about those little things. And you have to understand where you are in your process and where you are in your journey. Because he's never going to give you more in the sense of his glory that you can't stand up underneath. So if there's something that you're looking for, I have to, I have to study my own ambition when it comes to ministry, when it comes to churches and stuff like that. Like I have to, I have to study that by, by humbling myself and letting God say, no, you are where I have you. Enjoy it. Because my life isn't going to be any more full if I, go, if I move somewhere else, I take on a different job or like, you know, let's just get extreme. If I find a new wife and get new kids, like none of that stuff brings the fulfillment, right? And so if I, in the moment that I, I realize that there's something more that I may want, I need to find out what that motivation is. Like, why am I motivated to think that? Because there's a good chance it's worldly and I don't, I don't want a part of that. So God comes in then and he saves us. Revelation chapter 13 through 8, the lamb was slaughtered before the foundation of the world. Um, and Ephesians chapter 1, um, it says that we, are, we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. So, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So, even before your struggles, you were already in Christ. Before your struggles, Jesus already died for them. Uh, I, I just think that's huge. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2. You have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. Administration here, verse 9. And to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Administration is hoikonomia. Hoikonomia. O-I-K-O-N, hoikon, O, 
H-A-K-A-N-A-M-I-A, hakanamia. That's actually the word we get for economy. So remember, you can't serve both God and money. Money is our self-justified freedom to exchange for things that we want. God, in his economy, gives us everything that we need. And that the more that we see his face and press into his ways and know his thoughts that are higher than our thoughts and our ways, then our wants will start to align with the things that he identifies that we need. And everybody starts winning. And that's what economy of grace is. It's not fair. It's unearned. Like God gives freely. He doesn't hold back, right? He gives you what you need at the time that you need it. And he gives us grace to rise to meet the challenge of when we're not seeing ourselves in that place. 16 through 20 of chapter three. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to complete or maybe able to comprehend with all the saints what it is, the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The economy of grace is to bless us with more riches in our inner man to see the power we have in Christ, to know and comprehend with each other the length, width, height, and depth of God's love. It's all about God's love. Love is going to upset all religious people because religious people require that you pay for your actions. They require that you keep track of your actions and that you are forgiven for every single one. Love shifts our frame of mind to say that the greatest commandment is to love and that this commandment that God gave us, that Jesus gave us, he says in John chapter, I think it was John chapter 10. And then we see in first John, it says that new command that I give you to love one another. That's our command. Our command isn't to let go of all these other things. Our command is to love one another. Are you letting God love you and agitate you in places? Because if, agi- if you're agitated, you're anxious, you're depressed, like those are all indicators that you're not at peace, you're not in love, you're not at rest. He doesn't want you to try harder to overcome those things. He wants you to be loved. He wants you to be peace, at peace and he wants you to be at rest. And this is why community is so important. So that way we can comprehend together that love. Isaiah chapter 41 Verse 10, it says, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be afraid for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous hand. Some of y'all need to write that on your bathroom mirror. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Y'all, like that's that's my blessing for you. It all, it all comes down to God's love. And this is this is what I, I leave with you. And this is the Hebrews writer in chapter thirteen, verse twenty. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great Shepherd of the sheep, with the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with all that is good to do His will. It's to love working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Glory belongs to him forever and ever. Amen. Man, I really enjoyed that conversation. I kind of broke up the the flow of how I was relaying the information differently than in previous episodes. Be sure to check back in a couple weeks uh, for episode six. Again, if you want to get into that Facebook group and be a part of the Zoom call where it's recorded live, You need to go on Facebook, go to Nolan Ryan Recker, like the page, request to be added to that equipping group. Uh, It's a private Facebook group, but you can find it by searching for it. But you want to get in on that and be a part of the the Zoom call live. 
we want to we want to have you there. That's where we can answer questions. Uh, we can encourage each other, console each other, exhort one another, and uh, we just want to continue to grow. That's that's the whole purpose. We want to continue to grow in the image of God uh, in all things kingdom, and continue to focus on Jesus. And that's what we're doing uh, with all this stuff. So thank you for listening. I invite you into further engagement with us over at that equipping group uh, via my page at Nolan Ryan Wrecker. You can also check back coming up in June where we're going to be doing a series of interviews with people who are in full-time vocational ministry, those who are interested in vocational ministry, those who are on their way to getting into full-time vocational ministry, and those who decided not to go into full-time vocational ministry or they left it. Uh, I'm going to be doing a series of interviews over the next few months with people that I know, that I respect, that I love. Uh, we're going to hear from them on what their path looked like. So be sure to hit subscribe on this, share, uh, rate this podcast, and we'll see you later.